Today on Rolling with New York Mike. What does finish the job mean when you're talking about Joe Biden? Finish bringing in millions of illegal aliens, opening up borders to criminals, terrorists, and narco-traffickers who also traffic in humans for sex and labor? Finish empowering the cartels to power their way to every state in the country and to destroy every city and authority in their way? Okay, what does finish the job mean? Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Okay, it's Rolling with New York Mike. Hey, guys. Guys, gals. Yeah, I, if, I, if I say something like, hey, guys, am I... Do I have to balance it with, hey, guys, we really got to play this game. I I don't want to play this game. Hi, hi everybody. (laughs) Rolling with New York, Mike. You know, you just got to laugh at this stuff. I try to laugh it off. The best way, in my opinion, to look at some of this stuff that, you know, you tend to take so seriously, take it and it's like, what are they doing? And you go, just laugh it off. But you can't laugh some of this stuff off. You just can't. Now, look. I'm, this is a nice, relaxing day. I'm, I'm finally getting a little bit of time over here to to, to do the podcast early enough in the week. So I'm, I'm doing it over the weekend. Here it is the weekend. So you can get all edited out and done and put out there early in the week, maybe Monday or Tuesday, which would be great. And gives me a shot at doing the second one if the week allows. But I certainly, it gives me the week to put together the things that I really think it's important to talk about. And, of course, this week, I mean, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm not going to go into the Super Bowls this afternoon, a little while from now. Right now it's um, you know Sunday morning. I'm in my backyard. It's beautiful, beautiful out here in sunny Southern California. Uh, <laughs> I know there's people listening all over. And if the weather's different in someplace else, sorry about that. But we need it all. Look, remember, civilization was, was really, civilization was developed in the temperate zone. The, 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 the best place for humans to thrive, it really is, is the temperate zone. The zone with four distinct seasons. And, and, and that really is at the end of the day. And of course, you don't get this wonderful weather pattern that we, that we have. And you would think that some of that would be offset by all the the modern things that we have, the, the heat and, and all the conveniences, the, the ability that, well, anyway, it's, it's, it's still Mother Nature wins every time. <laughs> the top of the top, the, that's it, it's Mother Nature. And, and, of course, we're talking about God. That's what we're talking about. And I, I, I want to mention two other things in, in that regard because in two weeks, I mean, the, the cat's out of the bag on on this uh, this whole thing that's my wife, my wonderful, amazing wife, Petrina. I think it's it's been a long time, about eight months, almost a year ago. She started working on getting a plaque for me at Mount Soledad. And why is that important to me? It's important to me for ego-wise. It's certainly nice. It's, it's a nice thing to have somebody do that. It, you don't do that in a vacuum. It's not just... One person she's been in contact 
with God knows a lot of people. And I, I really do appreciate it. What, it. what it means so much to me was the, the more I got involved with that memorial, I know I talk about it a lot, but I got to tell you, I don't think you talk about miracles too much. Not when they happen right in front of you. Not when they happen. We think about miracles and and, and, and we connect it with our belief in God and all the wonderful things that can happen. And then when, when the miracle actually occurs, I don't know if we always recognize it. And I don't think people recognize Mount Soledad as the miracle that I recognize it as. And, and, and it, was, it was such a, a question mark. People would look at me as a Jew and say, why are you fighting to save this cross? And especially Jews would say that. And I look at them like, are you serious? Do you have a, is that really an issue for you? Do you really think that cross threatens you in some way? And I think this country has just doesn't understand how important it is to protect all these religious symbols and how important it is. The very foundation of the country, I've said a million times, is our belief in God and the Constitution, the, the Declaration of Independence that we're endowed by our Creator. It's our Creator that gives us the rights that we have. And this country being established by that, and I, I wonder why we allowed the uh, separation of church and state to be one that the majority seems to accept the fact that that means that you can't put religious symbols on public properties. Now, when I grew up, Brooklyn, New York, city of churches, every the Christmas holiday, they used to have a crutch. The crutch was the baby Jesus. We celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day. Well, the Christians do. And there's a crutch, a symbol of the, the baby's cradle in the, in, in, in the stall. There was no room at the inn, as they say. And so the baby was born in the barn. And, and there's that crash with everything around him. And the three wise men who saw the... I mean, this is a, a, a religious story of a miracle that happened 2,223 years ago. So, I mean, that that is celebrated every year. I, and, and they said, slowly but surely, they said, no, you can't have a crutch on the corner of the public street. Even if it's in front of a church, it's a public property. You can't do it because separating church and state. But separating church and state, to me, always meant keeping the state out of the church, not keeping the church out of the state. It's the state, the government, that we're worried about, the encroachment of government onto the church, onto our religion, to the synagogue, to the mosque. That's what the Constitution was protecting and somehow it got twisted and turned, as so many other things have as well. But to me, I look at that and I say, that was, it was always wonderful. As a Jew, I mean, I, look, in, in my day as a kid, they were still accusing me of killing Christ. I mean, they may, they may still feel that way. I fought it then, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll fight it now. Of course, I don't think that's appropriate because we didn't kill Christ. There was no Christ. There was a, a rabbi, Yehuda, whatever 
name you want to attribute to him. Rabbi Yehuda was the name that I learned that that he was when I was in Israel at his pulpit in the Galilee. So there was no God then. There was no Jesus then. There was nobody that had that thought in their mind then. And there was Pontius Pilate. Yes, I get it. The rabbis and he overturned the, the money lenders and he did all that stuff and they didn't want him to be this rabble rouser but he also did some amazing things and so it, it goes on but I still enjoyed being in the midst of all my my friends were all Christian there were very few Jews where I lived in the projects there were a few <laughs> a couple of friends and a few quite a few more were enemies and, and I can name them, but I still remember. Nonetheless, going back to living in the projects and, and, and going through the whole thing, Christmas time was a wonderful time. I don't care what your religion was. Of course, if you're a Christian, you're celebrating it. It has a lot more meaning. But just being in that, in, in that environment, it was cool. It was, a, it was a great time of the year. And now I, I know that we, we celebrate Hanukkah. The miracle of lights and that was great and I, I didn't think of it when I was a child to me it was just quote-unquote competing holiday if you will and we were glad to have our own later in life you know you learn it's it's not a big deal like in Israel and it's not was, was never really that much of a celebrated as a, a religious holiday although it got me to learn when you when you're young you go to Hebrew school even without Hebrew school your parents are giving you information they're talking to you and they're telling you about it and and they talk about the maccabees and judah maccabee and his brothers and how they fought the philistines and took back the temple that's a proud moment yeah we didn't have a lot of those victories we were always outnumbered and 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 outgunned and so it was hard but we always came back didn't we and at the end of the day, hopefully not the end of the day, but after a number of years, as you wisen up and you learn and you realize that coming back is what's important. Getting back up after you get knocked down and after the defeats that we've suffered as a people over the thousands of years, it, it's really amazing and something to celebrate and be proud of. That we're still here, we're still fighting, and and now we have this this country of Israel, and and it's so important. But getting back to this whole thing about the cross, I was it was important to me. I'm a I'm a veteran, and of course, once when you have a veteran memorial, and it's attacked for any reason. You want to stand up and fight for it. Why would people, in especially in a town like San Diego, well, any town, but San Diego is such a military town. We're so proud of our our, our military in this town, the Marines, the Navy. Every, I mean, there's Army and Air Force here, too, and certainly the Coast Guard. And, and it, it, it's such a big part of the makeup, the, the, the foundation of San Diego the military, why would anybody attack a war memorial? Well, obviously, they weren't attacking the memorial itself. They were attacking the design of the memorial, which is a 43-foot-high cross. 
they call it a Latin cross. I don't know the difference to one cross or another. It's a very substantial and it's at one of the very high points of the city of San Diego that's visible from all over. And when you're up there, if you haven't been there, go there. Not only for the cross and, and for the war memorial, it's beautiful and the, and the great tribute to all those who served, whether in San Diego or wherever, because of the plaques that have been put up, you know, and, and it's been so defined in that way as a memorial. And it's, it's a beautiful sight to see. But also because when you're up there, you see just a beautiful view of the ocean and the, the everything, the land, the whole city. It, it's just a, a, a beautiful place to be and to, to contemplate who we are. And, and it, it, it really is. And I was, it's, it's never fun to be in a battle for something. You, you never know you're going to win. And there's always that, like you're sitting around with a crew of how many people involved, 10, 15, 20 committee meetings and so on and so forth. And there's always somebody standing up there. Well, the reality is we lost that. and it's going, We have a small chance of winning this. And we have to plan on what's going to happen if they force us to take down this. I get it. I, I do get it. But it's my full focus on everything and every minute is how to win the fight. Not what you're going to do when you lose the fight. I know that's important. People need to plan on all these things. But nonetheless, my full focus on Let's, how are we going to win this fight? Well, we're fighting, we're fighting for the soul of a nation over here. We're fighting for people's right. In 1954, they put up the cross at the city of La Jolla, where where it is. They voted; it was all approved. It was done. They did it right. They did it according to Hoyle. They followed all the rules and regulations. And now, years later, because they somebody donated the land, boom! It changes everything. It shouldn't change anything, and it did. So the long and short of it is, without repeating the whole story of Mount Soledad, is my wife, unbeknownst to me, decided that she was going to have a plaque installed in my honor on that war memorial. And, 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 man, I mean, and she worked hard. I had no idea she did it <laughs> to surprise me. <laughs> and... I mean, it, it, I didn't realize I've talked to her about it since and found out it's it's a process. And I mean, I, I, I want everybody to do this. And in her words, she said, you don't want to wait until I was gone to do it. And, and I think that there are many plaques honoring different um, different service members who are still alive. And, and I think it is a tribute. It is kind of a cool thing. I don't know any other more war memorials in the nation where people are honored while we're still alive for our service. Maybe not maybe not our sacrifice. Because I don't look at it as a, I mean we were ready, you know, ready, willing and able obviously if whatever happened. But we want to honor everyone who served whether they were in the uh, theater of combat or not. And, and I, I love being amongst those people, and I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And that plaque will be installed on Mount Soledad on, uh, in two weeks, Saturday, uh, February 25th. And it's a real honor. And, you know, <laughs> I, 
I can now see in hindsight because it was only by accident. I think it was when I went to Snowman's birthday party a, a few weeks ago. It was about the maybe the third time, fourth time I, I I've been hearing things. People have been saying, "Hey, Mike, what's going on? I'm going to see you on on the 25th, and, you know, whatever." And I'm going, "I don't know anything about what you're talking about." And then and I went to say happy birthday to Snowman at the American Legion Hall. He was just very clear about it. <laughs> I guess I guess some people didn't get the message. It's a secret. Mike doesn't know about it. And I came home and I said, honey, come on. Now, look, now I know the cat's out of the bag. So um, I'm, I'm not talking about it on my podcast, I think, would be... Um, an error. <laughs> I want to. I want to go along with Petrina. Wanted to keep it, whatever. Um, how? What, what are you going to call it? But I. I, I can't. And and um, so. And I'm. I'm thrilled that there are so many people who now that I know about it, I can talk freely about it. I've said they're coming, including Pastor Z, who was one of the guys who, when that cross was finally. Say that even before, even before the petition was was voted on and and everything, we were having the blessing of the bikes there every year in uh, late April, early May, and we we I try to get it done before the ride uh, to Washington D.C. for Memorial Day, um, and Pastor Z was always a partner and a friend and and a, a big participant. Uh, we had different pastors. And ministers, you know, lead the prayer at, at that blessing of the bikes. But Pastor Z was always there, even if somebody else was the lead on that day. He was very unselfish in that way. And any time we did need him, and he always brought his followers, and he's just a great guy. And um, he'll be there, and I, I, I know the booze fighters, the violators, and other clubs will be there. And I, I'm just thrilled about it, and I really, really... Appreciate it. So I, I wanted to start off with that because it's so important. And it's important, again, because we need God in this country. There's been, a, there's been, there's been an, an effort to push God out of the public square in every way. Not just the way I already described, but, but there's just been a big effort. There's so many less people who are who or who are registered church or synagogue or mosque attendees or members or whatever. It's just I don't know. It, it seems that they were trying to make atheism more and more acceptable. And when you don't believe, you don't have anything to believe in. You don't believe in yourself. You know, God made man in, in His image. And if you don't like the um, pronouns there, well, too bad. That's just the way it is. You, know, you could you could use it and twist it in your mind however you want to shape it and reshape it. That's good. Don't ask me to reshape it for you. Just do it. And 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 so I'll say it again. God made man in, in his image. And if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in yourself. And if you believe in God, it's going to help you believe in yourself that much more. That you can do anything. You can accomplish anything. You can achieve what it is you dream of and you hope for if you work for it. And yes, you got to be a little bit fortunate. You need lady luck 
on your side as well as Mother Nature. You need all those things working there. But they're not going to work for you if you're not working for yourself. If you're not pushing forward, there's no one's going to join your team. And if you are, fortune favors the bold. That's what we talked about last time. And boy, I'll tell you what, it really is true. And I think the full quote actually is fortune favors the bold and the foolish. <laughs> and and sometimes you are foolish to be that bold, you know, and whatever it is that we're going for. Sometimes it's like, are you serious? I remember my, my cousin Kenny. We grew up, we used to play phantom baseball. Not fantasy. No, we didn't have that. It was phantom because we'd stand with a stick ball against the wall, and one of us would pitch, and the other one would swing the stick ball bat. And the pitcher was always, okay, and the pitcher winds up, and it's Allie Reynolds, pitcher for the Yankees. And the pitch is, and, you know, that would go on. He was always Duke Snyder. It was like Duke Snyder got up every time. I said, Kenny, you got to be somebody else. Be Carl Ferrillo. You know, <laughs> be Gil Hodges, be whoever. I mean, <laughs> be Jackie Robinson, be be Junior, whatever. Nope. It was always he loved Duke Snyder. And he was always going to be a baseball player. I was a couple of kids from Brooklyn. I don't ever remember seeing Kenny Jackowitz in a baseball uniform. There was no way I was ever going to be. Who could afford it? His dad, Jock? You know, you <laughs> There's no way. His dad and my dad came out of World War II, had nothing. His dad worked hard, got a lot of things in life, but it took years. Growing up, we had nothing. I don't remember if Kenny had a baseball glove. He was such a baseball fanatic. He might have had the glove. He was a big guy, bigger than me for sure. He used to drag me to Ebbets Field to see the Dodger games. He was such a Dodger fan. And his whole thing, his, he was a baseball player. He used to, we used to go to Coney Island swimming all the time. And he, he, in those days, uh, it was victory at sea. And, and Kenny used to dive under the water. He wanted to be a UDT guy, which is now the Navy SEALs as of 1962. But back then, when we were kids, it was UDT. And Kenny would always tell, come on, come on, Mike. We've got to go under the water. How long can we stay under the water? And that's when he, that was his whole thing. And me, I hated the cold water. <laughs> but Kenny, and it found out that he had some some real bad air drag. He used to, he used to swim. He went to PS100 in Coney Island. And uh, he tried to, he wanted to be on a swimming team. And he had punctured eardrums or something that was really bad. So that didn't happen. But he still had this dream. It was like, you're not going to be a major league baseball player. Well, guess what? Kenny played for the Cincinnati Reds, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that. I found out years later from my brother Jackie, who met him when he was living down there in Fort Lauderdale. And, and it was just kind of a weird thing, but that those dreams do come true. They do happen. You just gotta work for it, and you, and you have to, yes. Fortune favors the bold and the foolish. <laughs> I mean, what a dream. And growing up the way we did, I don't, I do not remember Kenny ever playing organized hardball. That's what we called it, hardball. So as opposed to softball, yes, we did play some softball. But so here we are, and 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 I think it's great. So the the other what I have to talk about today, and I love talking about it's the Super Bowl, and that's all great, and it it, it doesn't mean a lot to me. It's a great thing. 
I am not knocking it. I often use sports as a metaphor. I think sports is a metaphor in so many ways. And and the Super Bowl, think that I've calmed down in my, you know, how I felt about the NFL after the whole Kaepernick thing and kneeling for the national anthem. Hopefully that's gone. And when they do start the Super Bowl today, they'll all be standing, saluting, holding their hands over their hearts and appreciating this country and those who sacrifice for it. God knows it's it's so important and it and I feel it and so many other I'm, I'm sure veterans and families of veterans have to have felt that and hopefully that episode has if if it's not all gone away it's gone away from the public view and 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 uh, I, I, let's just let's just I believe it has so we're you know ready to celebrate a great Super Bowl and that's all good and it's all wonderful doesn't change my life. There's over a hundred million people that could be watching that Super Bowl game. That's amazing. And I, I, I was watching on TV this morning, and somebody said how sports brings people together, and it does. And and so I think it's a it's a, it's an excellent thing. It's a wonderful thing. I have some good friends who <laughs> rabbit rabbit Eagles fans. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not. I am not now and never have been an Eagles fan. Sorry about that. Growing up with the Giants, but my, my team has always been the, um, not always, but the Steelers. Of course, I like the Jets. I used to be friendly with a lot of the guys that played on the Jets and hung out a few times with Namath down at his bar in Lexington Avenue. And I had players on the Jets that I got jobs for at Kennedy Airport selling air freight back in the 60s when they weren't making enough money playing for the Jets or whoever they played for. So, so yeah, that, w- that would be my, uh, my fan base thing. But I, I know I'm not – it's like great. Yeah, I played football. I think it's a great game in so many ways. You get hurt a lot. That's too bad. But athletically, I think it's a phenomenal game. And I, I, I think it's probably – in some ways, un- underestimated because the size thing always comes into place. But you got to look at the athletes today. It's 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 a great thing. I'm not consumed by it. If I miss a game or two over a few weekends, it doesn't bother me that much. I don't know who played. I will say this: I was rooting for the Cincinnati team over the Kansas City team, and so. But when you root for a team, you know, I, I had a, a, a guy who worked for me. He was a friend also. Thor. Yeah, Thor's guard. Great, great guy. He passed away. He was killed. And he was a rabid Kansas City fan. Yeah, he's from San Diego. Right here. Lived in San Diego. He was a rabid. And that, that had an impression on me. So when Kansas City's playing, I always tip my hat to Thor, man. <laughs> I think of him. So, yeah, you do make an impact on people. And as much as I like... Um, um, Waters, what's his name? Waters, <laughs> Waters World. I'm sorry, your your being a Philly fan doesn't impact me, but some of my other friends who are Phillies fans do impact me, and I'm I feel kind of bad. But in the Super Bowl, this this game, I really like that quarterback of Kansas City. I just that, now it doesn't mean the other quarterback isn't really something else too but this this guy has so much charisma now is it because 
that there's a couple of black quarterbacks or African American or I think I think the the Kansas City guys Pacific Highland. They call them black on TV. <laughs> they got two black. I think there was an article written in the editorial page of some paper. I don't really care about that. I care about the guy's charisma. And how, how much fun it is to watch him play over the years. And I'm I'm excited about about that. And I say, oh, that's kind of cool. But it doesn't it doesn't mean all that much to me. I mean, I'm glad it's going on. I'm glad it means a lot to a lot of people. We need our diversions. It's a good thing. But at the same time, I'm concerned about what we just have gone through. The State of the Union message? Are you kidding me? The State of the Union, the message was finish the job. That's a, That was the, there had to be a title. Finish the job. So I just want to say, if that was the message, if you watched it, and and how could you have not even heard? I know there's not, yeah, it's not going to come close to, a, I don't know if 10 million people saw it. <laughs> I mean, the guy, you talk about charisma being important, and it certainly is, you can apply it to a lot of great leaders in this country. Reagan stands out in my mind, and, and Trump, whether you like him or not, his charisma is amazing. There is none with this guy, which isn't a crime. There's probably other presidents that, that weren't charismatic. Okay, it's not a crime. But this guy, what does finish the job mean when you're talking about Joe Biden? Finish bringing in millions of illegal aliens, opening up borders to criminals, terrorists, and narco-traffickers who also traffic in humans for sex and labor? Finish empowering the cartels to power their way to every state in the country and to destroy every city and authority in their way, okay? What does finish the job mean? When, they, when you talk about cartels and empowering them and making them rich, he's making the cartels billions a year. I used to say he was partnering with the cartels. Does finish the job mean maybe when, when the cartels are running the, 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 the nation of Mexico? Maybe that's done already. Finish the job of what? Making making America a second rate, almost a third world country, a nation divided between races and classes, cultures and religions, not just black and white, but rich and poor, brown and Asian, Catholic versus Jews and Muslims, Christians of every sect, finish the job by angering us against each other, every one of us, each and every one of us, defined as different, finish the job of going from a nation that was a melting pot, we were all Americans, right? Whether whether we did good and amazing things or bad and terrible things, sometimes we were very, very wrong. And sometimes we were amazingly and totally right. But we were always Americans. And together we accomplished the most amazing thing since the beginning of civilized humanity. That's right. And yes, we were all Americans when... We did things that were bad. So finish the job of setting us against each other. Is that what you want to finish the job doing? 
setting us against each other politically and culturally, the good ones and the bad ones, depending on if you agree with the left or the right. I mean, who's going to say who's right and who's wrong? Who's good and who's bad? We're all Americans. We used to be together. Okay, we're going to go in this direction and we'll take responsibility. All of us. But no, not anymore. We are so divided. And this president seems to want to divide us even more. So as you finish the job of dividing us, you can finish the job of empowering the government. So no matter where we are, we all serve the government. That's right. We all serve the government's will and well-being before our own. The poor will be taxed as well as the rich, but the wealthy will be taxed with a vengeance, a vengeance normally reserved for the evil, the mean and nasty, the cheaters and the crooked and the greedy, not the creators, the risk-takers, the builders of business and employees, millions, Complete the job of destroying the excitement of being a success that overcomes the fear of losing everything, everything that propels us to put it all on the line so we can build a legacy to pass to our children and theirs. Finish the job of what? Of suffocating the will that says go for it. The will that says take that chance. Suffocate that wonderful spirit. That, that is the fuel, the fuel of capitalism. That's, I mean, just that puts the wet, a wet blanket of being labeled greedy. The, the punishing taxation of success, the tax, what, what, it's punishing. When you punish success by calling these people greedy and worse and saying we got to tax the rich they don't pay their fair share they don't pay their fair share one percent the top one percent of this country pay almost 50 percent of the income tax that's what it is one percent pays almost 50 percent but you're going to punish them for their success are you going to finish the job by destroying the strong men of America with labels like they are toxic masculinity or lowering the standards of physical strength for police firefighters and our military so so the incredibly hard work that's fueled by the competition fueled by the competition to be the best to outperform and outlast the competition is devalued as overkill, as, as, as a phobia, a fright of something, or as ego-driven in a bad way. Not a good way, in a bad way. Are you, are you going to finish the job by, by continuing to continuing the deterioration of our military. I don't know when it started. I'm not going to say it started with Afghanistan. No, it started way before that. Finishing the job 
of the of really and, and when you say destroying it sounds like oh it's got to be totally destroyed no your, your military to destroy the military only means bringing it to a level where it, it is it, it, it can't be defined as the without a doubt without a, 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 a minute of hesitation when you think about it of being the strongest, the most powerful military on the face of the earth. When you can bring it anywhere below that, it's destroyed. Why? Because it encourages the other military. It, it gives them the confidence to take on our military. Peace through strength means you have a military that nobody wants to challenge. When you take away that status, when you remove the fear of every other military leader in the world to say, oh, we're not going up against those guys. When you take that away, when the Roman Empire lost that when the Visigoths came in, feeling they could, we can conquer them. We could beat them. They're, they're so busy with their circuses and their, all their other distractions. We can be, when they, when they felt that way, that's when the Roman Empire fell. That's, that's a message you do not want our enemies to get. And clearly, if you don't think the Chinese are our enemies, you're, you're, you're just kidding yourself and you're putting us as a nation, especially if you're one of the leaders of this country, Democrat, Republican, I don't care who you are, green, blue, yet yellow, red. If, if you have a leadership position and you don't understand that China is a enemy, an enemy of this country, that they want to dominate America, dominate the world. Well, when you dominate America, you dominate the world. If you have the ability to dominate this country, and your country consists of almost two billion people, when your country has almost 25% of the human population of this planet, and, and you're afraid of a country that has, like, what, a little over 300 million? Yeah, we're a joke. We're a joke. I remember when, when the left used to say in criticism of America, you know, we're about, what, 2 or 3% of the world's population, but we use 30% of the world's resources. Like, that was something bad, something terrible. But most of those resources are reusable, by the way. Water, power, electricity. I mean, we can... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not... We still have those resources. As a matter of fact, you know, they were, they were also talking about fuel. But we have enough oil in the ground under America to last us over 100 more years going in the, at, the, at the same pace that we're going now. So it's, it's not such a bad thing. 
And by using those resources, we're also using those resources to create, to invent, to move forward, to, to become even even more technology, you know, more, more to create more technology and to create more more amazing things medically and, and, and every other way to make our lives that much better. Because that's what we do. That's not what the Chinese do. That's not what the Russians do. But the Russians were never as powerful. People say, oh, this isn't quite the Cold War. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it's a, it's a war. And right now, it's only cold because the, the Chinese haven't, haven't fired shots yet. But when they go into Taiwan, what's going to happen? And what if they just want to bypass Taiwan and go right, right to our shores? What if they did? People say, Mike, that's, now, you, now you're just over-the-top ridiculous. Well, I'm not. If you're going to sit around the room, I'm here and out of the 15 or 20 people in the room, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, if I'm the only one or one of a few who are saying, let's just sit here and plan on winning. How are we going to win? I don't have time to plan on what happens if we lose. Well, there's got to be some people in the room who say, hey, what if the Chinese just come right here? Look what the, look what the Japanese did in World War, World War II. They attacked Pearl Harbor. Look what Germany did. This is where they were going. They they projected what they were going to do. Maybe they they lied and they conned them into believing it was going to be okay. But Churchill warned them, and they didn't they didn't believe it. But we we don't know. We need to prepare for it. These this balloon that went across the country last week. Oh, and if somebody's going to say, well, there were balloons before that, and they went across the world, you know, they crossed across the country. they were here, done to Trump, too. Oh, does that make it right? Does that, does that give you some solace? Does that say to you, it's okay. It's happened before, it's no big deal. It happened under your guy. Not just our guy, it happened under your guy. I don't care. If it happened, our NORAD, North American, that system, that's supposed to detect anything that's coming our way. I worked at that in Fort Greeley. I did some my cold weather training in Fort Greeley. Yeah, in January and February. <laughs> Woo, it was cold. But we had to play the games that the NORAD system, these little radar things, and I got a little little <laughs> trouble going inside anyway. That's another story. But, but... <laughs> We went up there to play the game that they were being attacked, and we're out there for a few days in in, in the snow. The wait, what? Twenty below zero weather, and all. I mean, we could have got an article. Some one guy did. You get an article fifteen if you're you have these these um, parkers, and your face had to be covered and everything. And if anything was uncovered, because the, they told you was if it's un, uncovered for twenty seconds at a certain degree, you get frostbite. So if they, if they found you and you, you weren't totally covered, boom, not only did you fail, but you got an Article 15. And I think one guy did, one me. Amazingly, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't me. Mine was for a food fight inside the cafeteria. And no, it was for punching out a, a, a big burly airman who I really didn't like. That's another story. Anyway, yeah, I, I mean... How do you, as as Americans, all we're talking about is the Super Bowl. We need to be talking more about how we allowed this balloon 
to get and then and then Biden and and his Pentagon allow it to go all the way from Alaska, the Aleutian Islands, over Canada, the Yukon, into Montana. And guess what? Guess what? It was a private citizen in Montana who spotted it and brought it to the public's attention. That's right. That's how it happened. Just an ordinary American citizen saw that and brought it to the public's attention. It wasn't the government. It wasn't this administration. It wasn't the Republicans, the Democrats. It it was an ordinary citizen. I don't know who he voted for. I don't know his race, color, creed. I don't know anything about him except he's from Montana. That's it. He's American. And he made a few phone calls and he did a few things. And whoops, now they couldn't ignore it. I don't know what they were going to do. I don't know what their intentions were. I, I want to see a full-on a full-on investigation by Congress. How did it get to Montana without being detected? And if it was detected, why wasn't something done about it beforehand? And if it wasn't detected, or if there were three or five or however many prior to that that weren't detected... I want a full congressional hearing on why and what we're going to do about it. We, we are very vulnerable if that's the case. Now, if not, and there was just a decision that, oh, that's okay, it's, a, it's only a balloon. Yeah, it's as big as three buses. And yeah, it's got all this equipment. And yeah, it's got, but, so, but it's there. If that was their decision, I want to know why. I want to know who made it. And why they made that decision. We all want to know. We're all entitled to know it. We're all entitled to understand. What is the priority of the Pentagon? What is the priority of our of, of this government that's supposed to keep us safe? I don't care whether it was under Trump or under or under Obama or under Bush. I don't I don't care. I I wanna know what it is that our government is doing. What are they thinking? What's okay and what's not? Where's the red lines over here? That's important that we all know. And we're not going to know unless we demand it because they're not going to want to tell us. Yeah, I know the Republicans are doing a lot of investigating. God bless them. I think that's all great. But we, we can't allow this balloon situation to be swept under the rug. And that's what's happening. We're all focused on the Super Bowl. Okay, good. Super Bowl's here. <laughs> Let's not talk about that balloon. Well, I'm, I was just watching Maria Bartiromo, and I'm sure glad she was talking about it because this is important. This, this, is, this is a lot more important to your life than who wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I mean, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking being excited about the Super Bowl. I might go someplace and watch it. I don't know. But I, I, I think it's much more important that we understand where we are in, in the world of the, the, the political realities. China is gearing up and they may feel not because they are fully where they want to be and whatever date they targeted, but maybe... 
with the decline of America, and we have declined. Do not think we have not. We have declined. Maybe with the decline of America over the last couple of years, the last two years specifically since Biden became president, we have declined to the point where the juxtaposition of China and America is one that says to China, move forward and take over. All you got to do is whatever that's going to make us say, okay, enough, enough. That doesn't mean you have to kill a thousand people or certainly not a hundred thousand or any more than that. Maybe all you got to do is point out, we got you. I got my sword at your throat. At what point in our military face-off here, at what point is it is it tantamount to your opponent having his sword or her sword <laughs> at, at your throat? We're, 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 at what point do we reach that moment that they can say, okay, now you're going to use... China as your currency, the Chinese yuan or whatever it is. You're going to, your banks are going to do this and that. Your tax, you know, how many TV shows or how many books have you read in your lifetime where the the guy that takes over the town or the or the nation that takes over when England went into went into Scotland or Ireland. And they said to the local people, all right, this is what you're taxing now. you got to pay us this tribute. This is what you got to do. And the people, we, we, don't, we don't have that. We're going to starve if we do that. And that's what they did. That, that was the reality. That's, that's what made Rob Roy. Yeah, that's what made some of these, these Scottish heroes and Irish heroes stand up to the British and say, we can't do this anymore. Yet, but the British would come and collect their taxes, their tributes. Well, the Romans would come. Or the Visigoths, whoever the conquering people were. They didn't go in there and necessarily slaughter all the people. They slaughtered a few people to let them know, yeah, I got my sword in your throat. Now, this is what you're going to do. You're going to give me half the goats and half the cows. And, and three-quarters of the harvest. And this, this is what you're going to do. We saw that as an American soldier in Vietnam. I saw that. I saw the North Vietnamese coming down into these villages and taking their harvest. All the rice that they can get their hands on. And then when we, when we stopped it and found out that's the first time that we... we that, that these people had enough to eat for the past 10 years. This is what they were giving to the North Vietnamese who came down every year. This is what goes on. So the reality of a China taking over America isn't some movie where Chinese troops parachute into the country and take over every town and every village. No. It's, it's just their leaders demanding a certain amount of tribute. That we use a certain, you know, we use their currency and we pay a certain amount of tax or tribute. It's trading. It's trading. It's tariffing. That's what Trump did, remember? He put tremendous tariffs on Chinese goods. 
That's what he did. He did it without firing a shot because he was Donald Trump. You want to know how important it was? What Donald Trump did? Did it upset a lot of Apple cards? How many Americans who make a lot of money from the Chinese were feeling the pressure? Hey, what are you doing? You let this Donald Trump charge us this kind of tariff? You crazy! I'm not giving you uh, your eighty thousand dollar this year, your eight hundred million dollar this year, or your your whatever, whatever. Because that's what they were doing. It wasn't just Joe Biden. It wasn't just Hunter Biden. Look at the NFL. Look at Nike. Look at all these other companies that pay tribute to China every single year. Why? Because there are individuals making tons and tons and tons of money. They're bought and owned by the Chinese, and that—that's us. By not charging them, by allowing American goods to be made over there, by by having a trade deficit that's so freaking large and has quadrupled since Biden came in, versus what it was under Trump and where it was going. Don't even, don't even look at where it was going under Trump because it was going in our favor. Just, just look at it. This is where the winds of war blow the fortunes of, of the people, okay? It blows our fortunes away and stacks theirs up high. That's what it does. And that's what's going on. And if you're too busy watching the Super Bowl and rooting for your team, then watching your own backside and rooting for your country, maybe you need to understand that I'm not sitting there calling you names. I just want to call you my fellow Americans. Let's wake up. Let's wake up and, 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 and understand the fortune cookies that they're, that they're sending us, it's a bunch of lies. <laughs> it's, 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 there's nothing truthful in what they're sending us. Don't, don't read these fortune cookies. They're very unfortunate that, that, that that's what they've, they've got us caught up in. I'm not telling you to don't go out and eat Chinese food. Don't, 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 don't mince my words to that. <laughs> you can still go to your favorite Chinese restaurant and order from column A or column B or whatever you want. But we are a deteriorating nation. And we need to stop it and turn it around. Finish the job. Finish the job of what? Finish the job of, of making inflation erode, erode our, our economy. Finish the job of, of making Americans feel weak. Finish the job of destroying our military by making every, every, everyone who doesn't get a vaccination discharged, bring them back and reinstate their pay. Finish the job by having this witch hunt for white supremacists do you know if, if, if you carry a copy of the Constitution in your pocket with you on a regular basis, which I do, you're considered 
A white supremacist? Come on, this is a joke. But it's not a joke. It's not a laughing joke. It's a joke on us. It makes us look stupid. This is what's going on. We need... That's that's the job that's been going on. Just in... It's just two years of Biden. Okay, it's a little more than two years. But not much more than two years. So I'll still say two years. Don't hold me to the... It, it, it's two years of Biden has deteriorated this country. If you want him to finish the job, just vote for him again. Or tell him you will. Or support your Green New Deal Democrat who's telling you that this global climate change is the most important thing in the world, the biggest threat we have, an existential threat to our survival, the, the most important of them. That's all bullshit. That's all a crock. That's all propaganda. And that propaganda is, if it's not, if it hasn't been started and fostered by the Chinese, they're certainly applauding it and sitting back and saying, yeah, you guys all believe that. Good. So ruin your economy, destroy your military, just enough for us to take over. And we are perilously close to exactly that. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to go enjoy the Super Bowl. So thank you for listening. Thanks for being there. Thanks for paying attention, most of all. Thanks for thinking about this. Because we all have to do something about it. To change things. To bring back American power. To bring back to remasculinize America. And that is not a knock on femininity. And you know it. Women are as powerful as men in different ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm New York Mike. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.